Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. For those of you who don't know, my name is Matt. Um, I'm on staff here at Ivy Church. I help sort of run uh, what we are here on a Sunday morning uh, with some other fantastic people. And I also uh, head up something called Ivy Sport, which is uh, a sports ministry. But I've got the pleasure to share um, with you this morning uh, and to introduce our new series that we're heading into over the next uh, four weeks or so. So I've got a couple of questions for you to start with. They're not going to be on the screen, so you need to listen. Um, First of all, who here is ready to embrace Christmas? Show of hands will do. Great. Okay. More than I anticipated, actually. Have you got your Christmas tree yet? Yeah? Is it up? Yeah, same with me there, Rob. I've got it, but it's not up. Um, Have you even started to buy any presents yet? Those organized people probably bought it in January sales 2017, didn't you? You thought, I'll get ahead of the game. Have you already got the turkey on order? Yes, I know some butchers, if you go to them now, they'll be like, we're all run out. Wow, some people are fully embracing it. Believe it or not, I uh, am usually a last-minute Christmas embracer. Now, that's not to say that I don't enjoy Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I love what it's all about. I love the fact that you get to spend time with family. Um, I love the whole... Uh, trees, all of that sort of stuff, presents, I love all of that, but I have tended to be a last-minute Christmas embracer, uh, and I appreciate there may well be some people uh, in this room where you resonate with that. Actually, Christmas can be quite a hard time of year for you, and you might struggle to embrace everything that Christmas is offering. You know, in the past, I've been quite hesitant uh, and slow in terms of buying a tree, um, putting up the decorations, getting the presents, to the point that actually I find myself with probably less than two weeks to go till the big day, and then the sudden panic kicks in. I think one year I even, um, I even actually was so slow at embracing Christmas that I didn't even allow my wife to get a Christmas tree. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've learned never to do that again. <laughs> That's why I've already got it. And that's what I want to say, before you stands a changed man, because for this year, strangely enough, thinking about this, in preparation for this talk, you know, I find myself fully embracing Christmas already. You know, I've, I've bought my tree, and I'm one of those people where it has to be real, so apologies if I've offended you. Um, I've already made a start on some of the presents. Uh, I've even watched The Muppets Christmas Carol, the whole movie. And you know what, all of this was even before December. I know we're a couple of days in, but I'd done all that before December even began. But why am I talking to you about trying to embrace Christmas? Why do I want you to join with me about the excitement that Christmas brings and what it's all about? And you know what? It's because I don't want you to miss out. 
I don't want you to miss out on what this Christmas is going to be to us here at Ivy Church. Now, I don't mean that I, would, I don't want you to miss out on the trees and the decorations of the presents and all the festivities. I'm not talking about that. I don't want you to miss out on what Christmas is really about. You see, here at Ivy Church, we're starting our new series. It's a Christmas carol, if you've not already guessed. Um, and I don't want you to miss out on it. So I want you to embrace Christmas. I want you to embrace Christmas here at Ivy Church. I want you to embrace it because I don't want you to miss out on what God is going to be saying to you over these next coming weeks and in this series. So for the sake of this series, for the sake of our Sunday gatherings together, and as you'll find out today, for the sake of your spiritual eternity, are we ready to embrace Christmas? Yes. Wow. Thanks for those three people that are ready. Join with me on the journey. For everybody else, I won't be offended if your eyes are closed. Do you know what? Today, you've got a choice to make. In fact, every day we've got a choice to make, but today specifically, you've got a choice to make. Whether you are a Christian here um, and you know and love Jesus, you've got a choice to make. Whether you're not, whether you've never met Jesus before in your life, whether you've just stumbled into this church building here on a Sunday morning thinking, what am I doing here? I believe you've got a choice to make as well. And I believe you've got a choice that's going to affect the rest of your life. At the end of our time, I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond and to make a choice. So as we go along this journey, as we um, unpack a little bit of the Christmas carol, and as we dive into the Bible to see what God has to say about it, I want you to be thinking, oh, what choice am I going to make? You might even want to be sat there thinking, asking, God, could you help me make this choice this morning? I don't want to do this on my own. So, who here has read A Christmas Carol? Now I'll ask, who here has seen A Christmas Carol? Hey, yes, I'm one of those people. Not read it, but I've seen it. Um, right, so we're going to dive straight in. I'm going to give you a little bit of context for those of you who have maybe never even heard of what A Christmas Carol is all about. So, it's Christmas Eve. Let's set the scene. It's Christmas Eve. There's a grumpy, old, miserable man called Ebenezer Scrooge, and he's working in his office. Having refused an offer um, of a family get-together, he is persisting on pushing his workers to the absolute limit because he hates Christmas. He hates happiness, he hates love, he hates family, he hates generosity, and all the joyful things that Christmas has to offer. But that night, Scrooge receives a terrifying wake-up call, which starts with the visit of his dead business partner's spirit, Jacob Marley. Why do you come to me? We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. We took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> the 
We're Marley and Marley, our hearts were painted black. We should have known our evil deeds would put us both in shackles. Captive bound, we're double iron, exhausted by the weight. As freedom comes from killing laws, oh, prison comes with hate. We're Marley and Marley. We're Marley and Marley. But my friends, you were not unfeeling towards your fellow men. True, there was something about mankind we loved. I think it was their money. <laughs> Doom, Scrooge, you're doomed for all time. Your future is a horror story written by your crime. Your chains are forged by what you say and do. So have your fun when life is done. A nightmare waits for you. <laughs> Whoa, scary stuff, eh? That's why we made sure the kids were out. <laughs> That's my favourite Christmas carol. If you've never seen a Christmas carol, then don't look uh, for just a Christmas carol. Look for the Muppets Christmas carol. Um, by far, I think, the best one. Anyway, we uh, will carry on. So, Marley, as we saw there, um, he is now, this is the spirit, he's in eternal torment by the things that he neglected and valued um, in his life. Uh, he's content to drag the long chains, you saw all the chains around him of, um, that he forged in life. The decisions that he made meant that he had that life afterwards. You see, he was desperate to give his old friend a final chance to avoid that same fate. See, Marley warns Scrooge in there, that's his spirit coming to him, warning him of what is going to happen to him if he continues to live a life that he's living, if he continues to make the decisions that he's making. He's warning him of what is to come next. I showed you that because it showed the words there, and they were saying, like, you're doomed. If you carry on doing this, you're doomed. You know, the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, that's going to determine your fate. And throughout this series, we're going to look at Scrooge, um, and we're going to look at actually how Scrooge is gifted a second chance. He's gifted this opportunity to turn from his ignorant, selfish, greedy ways through the visits of three ghosts. You've got the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future that we're going to look at in future weeks. Now, Scrooge here may be depicted as uh, an extreme case um, of what uh, someone is to hate Christmas and be like that. He's an extreme version of something. But I know for myself that I see glimpses of Scrooge in me at times. I see glimpses of selfishness in me at times. I see gl glimpses of greed. I see glimpses of the desire to always want more. I mean, just put me in front of an all-you-can-eat buffet and you'll see it for yourself. <laughs> but seriously, I think God has really been challenging me um, in terms of this talk, in preparing for it, because the reality is that it's there. It's, it's within me. Um, and he's been challenging me about those things, about that greed, about that wanting more, about the thinking that I know what's best for me. Um, and, in, and in particular, he's been challenging me, similarly to Scrooge in a way, and, um, as we look at him, and as we look at the passage today, about me and my finances, and, and how 
how do, I, how do I look at that? How do I treat that? How do I view that? I don't think it's a coincidence that, that I'm preaching here this morning because I think God is, is trying to tell me something and I hope also through what I'm sharing, he'll also help you realize something as well. You see, the Scrooge in me thinks that if I can get more or if I can keep more to myself or if I can... Um, just accumulate and you know, not be that generous spirit, then that will fix whatever issue it is that I have, because I'll be able to do it, because I'll have more things to be able to fix issues. But the truth is, and what the Bible says, is that it won't. You know, for me, what I believe God is saying to me is actually I need to be a better steward of what he's already given me. Not that I need to get more and attain more and be scared to give it give it out, but to actually look after what he's given me. It's not about the amount that I have, but it's about what I do with what I've been given. And maybe he might be saying the same to you. I know that I've had several conversations this week where this thing keeps on cropping up about what are we doing with what we have and what is our um, view on that. How do we want to use it? Do we want more of it? Is that all we're trying to achieve in life, is to get more of things? Or are we actually trying to use it to bless others and to be generous with it? I wonder maybe if you'd admit yourself this morning that you have an inner Scrooge inside of you. At times, you're greedy. You may be a little bit selfish. You may be thinking about, what's in it for me? Where can I get more? Because I believe we all struggle with this. I believe every single person on this earth struggles with these issues of greed, selfishness, the desire for more. And it might not be all in the same way. It might not all be about money, but it might be about other things. I think if we're honest, then we'd say that there is an inner Scrooge inside of us for certain things in our lives. See, A Christmas Carol um, was written as a tale, you know, entertainment, enjoyment, and they've made the films out of it, and it's great that we get to sit down and get to watch it, and that's fun. But Dickens, the author, you know, he actually wanted to use this story to try and persuade the readers to live a better life, to make a different choice, you know, to live life a better way, a different way, a different way to what society was saying. And I thought, that sounds familiar. The Bible, doesn't that do that? You know, isn't that the best book to look to? To be able to live a better and different life? Believe it or not, there's some truth in, in uh, A Christmas Carol. And we're going to look at this story um, as we go along throughout the weeks. And we're going to marry it up with some real biblical truths. So don't worry, I'm not going to be preaching from A Christmas Carol. I will be preaching from the Bible, from the truth but we're using A Christmas Carol to help us along that journey. I wonder if you know that 16 out of the 38 parables of Jesus dealt with the issue of money, of possessions, of their use, and their relationship to us. That's a lot. You know, he speaks about it a lot. Jesus speaks about money, about wealth, a lot. And I believe that's because that can, it can, it's an issue for us. It's something that we have to deal with, we have to face up to, we have to know how um, to live with it. 
So this morning we're going to be diving into Luke 12. So if you've got your Bibles, then by all means open them up or turn them on. Um, And we're going to be looking at the passage called The Rich Fool. The words will hopefully come up on the screen as well behind me as we go through this. So Luke 12, uh, starting at verse 13. Just to give a little bit of context of this, of where we're at, is that Jesus is actually on his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling there, and he's been teaching the crowds. You can read that in the section just before it. That he's been teaching the crowds. And he's been teaching on the importance of God and how God values us as his children, as humans, people that he's made, um, and, and how we are to see him as important. So then here at 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's a slightly different translation on the screen. Now, culturally, this was actually a normal question for people to ask. If there was a debate or a settlement that needed to be made, a decision that needed to be made, they would go and ask, usually, a rabbi to make that decision for them. And according to the law of that day, the elder brother would have received two-thirds, and the younger brother would have received one-third of the inheritance. But instead of a righteous judgment, We can see here by the words that's used that the man is actually asking Jesus, choose me, be on my side. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He's not giving two sides of an account. He's just saying, you know, tell him to do what he should be doing and give it to me. You know, all he's thinking about is himself, it seems, by this question. Jesus then replied to the man, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Now here it's not, I don't think, that Jesus is unconcerned about the the righteous justice within this particular situation. But actually, when the man asks this question, I believe that Jesus sees beyond the question and he sees the heart of where that question's come from. You know, he sees that man is wanting what's his and wanting um, to gain something for himself. That's all he's thinking about. What can I get? Tell my brother to give what's mine. But Jesus sees that actually this um, covetousness from this man is going to harm him more than actually having his share. That desire to want it is actually more harmful than actually having it yourself. Do you follow me with that? You see, he sees the heart and the motivation behind the question. And I think we see that throughout the Bible all the time. And we say it all the time, don't we? That, you know, God looks at the heart. He wants to know what's on the inside, not just what's on the outside. Verse 15, he says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. See, I think we are all under attack from this. As I said, we all have an inner Scrooge. I believe we all do. And we're all under attack. I don't think it's a decision that we can choose to engage or not, but it's actually a decision to be on our guard or not. You see, it's always going to be there. It's always going to try and rob us. It's always going to try and get us. You look around, you see society, everyone is fighting for your attention, for your money, for your time. It's always there. So we've got to be on our guard. We've got to watch out. 
because greed is waiting round the corner to grab hold of us. 16, it says, And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. See, I reckon that this man, this rich man that Jesus is telling the story of, I reckon in, in his day, actually, he was a sought-after guy. You know, a wealthy, successful farmer who was doing things right. I reckon people looked up to him and thought, wow, you know, I want to be like him. But that's not what God thought of him. It says, God thought he was a fool because he would be a fool for eternity if he carried on that way. I wonder if I was to say to you the word affluenza, would you know what I was talking about? It's a made up word, but it's a word nonetheless. To sum it up, affluenza is a virus-like condition that spreads throughout affluent countries. And it's the disease of greed. It's the disease of being ruled by superficial values of wealth, of our looks, of fame, the need to want, to get, and to spend more. That is what affluenza is. And if you, uh, if you jump on YouTube and you type it in, you'll see that some people have made these quite hard-hitting, contrasting videos about how we suffer from affluenza here in, in the West. You know, it's, it's a materialistic mindset, that's what it is. Uh, it's, it's basically the mindset that says, if I can get more money, if I can get more possessions, that is the ultimate aim of life. That's where I've got to be achieving, surely. And with that will come guaranteed happiness. That's what affluenza is. And unfortunately, I think we're living in an affluenza epidemic, that that's how people see their life. They see it as about, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? That's going to make me happy, and I'm going to have achieved what life is all about. But I believe something different. I believe life's not about that. I believe the Bible tells us what life's about. I believe we can see what life is all about in this passage. Because Jesus doesn't say to the rich man that having an abundant harvest is a bad thing. He doesn't say that being wealthy is bad. I don't think he ever says that having money, having possessions is a bad thing and that that's what makes him a fool. I think it's the heart behind where he's coming from which is making him the fool. You see, there were many godly men and women in the Bible as well as in the early church, as well as now, who are extremely rich and wealthy. 
No, God blesses people with that. So it's not saying to have things is a bad thing and that you're foolish if you do. Money isn't the issue in this passage. But actually we see it's the heart. It's the love of money, as you can read in 1 Timothy 6. He says it's for the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of your wealth, of your possessions, which makes you a fool. See, the issue is the motivation. It's the desire to have and obtain more wealth. With that goal being that all these things are going to bring about a fulfilled and satisfied life. See, that's the issue that Jesus is addressing with this parable. In verse 21, he says, This is how it will be with whoever stores things up for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So in other words, Jesus is saying, Who or what do you live for? Where are you storing things up? Where are you investing your time, your efforts, your money? What is the purpose of your life? I don't know if you've ever asked those questions of, of yourself. Think, what am I actually living for? What is the purpose of my life? What am I trying to achieve in this life? Are you just living for things on this earth, storing them up that one day, you know, maybe sooner rather than later, you can retire, you can eat, you can drink, you can be merry and enjoy the things that you've stored? But the reality is, at the point of death, there'll be no more. You can't take them with you, wherever you're going. Or, are you living for something greater, something bigger, something more meaningful, something that's eternal? See, we see in Colossians that Paul knew of these things of the world would fail to satisfy our hearts. It's failed to fill the void in our hearts. And that's why he urges us to set our sights on things above, to set our sights on Christ, because he is the thing that will allow us to have a fulfilled life, and not just life now, but life eternal. You see, how we see our lives now is how our life will be shaped. How we view it will help shape our life. How we define our life will determine our destiny. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, um, he depicts what he believes true life to be all about. And he makes these statements to say, you know, we are eternal beings. And if you're a Christian here this morning, then you believe that, that we are eternal beings, that life isn't over when our earthly bodies have passed away. God made us to live forever. You see, earth, our earthly life, is just a temporary thing. It's the training ground before the game. It's the warm-up lap before the race. It's the preparation for what is to come. This isn't the main event that we're in right now. Being sports-minded, I think of it just as an athlete has many choices to make when they're training. They can make good choices, they can make bad choices. You think about what exercises they do, how long they spend doing them, what the diet they might eat. They've got 101 different choices they can make in their training. But what does the race offer? What does the main event offer? For me, it offers two choices. I either win or I lose. And I think life is similar for ourselves. And that, in some ways, is quite brutal. To say that here in life, on earth, we have 101 different choices that we can make. We make them every day. But you see, 
I believe our eternity, the choice after this, the main event, we either win or lose. It's either heaven or hell. And the choices that we make here are going to determine what that choice is later on. You see, our relationship to God whilst on earth will determine our relationship, relationship to him in eternity. So just like the foolish man and Scrooge, I think we too have that choice. You see, Scrooge was given a wake-up call, wasn't he? He was given a chance to make a different choice, to change his life so that his eternity would be different, unlike that of his dead business partner. The foolish man, again, I think, is given a choice here to say, look, if you change the way you're living, it's going to be better for you. But at the moment, you're just a fool. They were fortunate that they were given that second choice. But you know what the beautiful thing is? We've been given a second choice. We can see it here. You know, Jesus has given us a chance to make a change, to make a different choice. To realize what life is actually really about. He says, watch out, be on your guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. A person is foolish to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. To say it's not about being rich or not, it's about what our heart is all about. It's a lack of gratitude that we see and thankfulness from the rich man. He didn't realize that God was actually his source of his wealth. Maybe that's something that we need to think about today. Maybe that's something that you need to think about today. What is the source of your wealth? See, I believe the rich man and Scrooge, they suffered from affluenza. They suffered from a, an I, 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 my, my, my syndrome that blinds us of the need of others. So as I said at the beginning, we've got a choice today. We've got a choice to make. If you're a, a Christian here this morning and you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and you've said sorry for the wrong things that you've done and you've asked for forgiveness and you said, I want you to be in the driving seat of my life, then you've already made an amazing choice. And actually that choice has meant that you're going to spend eternity with him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I don't think that means that we just sit back. I've made my one choice. I've made the right choice. And now I can just live life how I want to live. I don't think that's what he's saying here. We've still got choices to make. And I believe if you are a Christian here today, then I think God is challenging you. He's challenging me with these three would-you-rathers. I don't know if you've ever played the game, would you rather? Um, maybe not, some blank faces. I won't tell you about it now. Um, but basically, it's would you rather, and then you give two options. Would you rather this, or would you rather that? That's the game. Complicated, I know. So the first one, as a Christian, would you rather be someone who wants to covet, or wants to be content? Do you want to be coveting, looking at what other people have and thinking, oh, I wish I had that? Or do you want to be content with what God's actually given you and, and be thankful and grateful for what he's put in your lap? The second one is, do you want to be foolish or do you want to be faithful? Do you want to think, actually, it's in my strength that I'm going to achieve my happiness or I'm going to achieve great things or I'm going to be able to do what I need to do? Or are you going to be faithful and put your trust in God and say, 
You're the one who has the plans for my life. And the third one is, would you rather see your wealth as your God, the thing that you aim for in life, the thing that you strive to achieve, to get more of, or do you want to see it as a gift, something that's been given to you, that you're to look after, to steward, to work, but you ultimately know where the source is? And something that can help us with that in terms of understanding those three questions and how we actually practically do that is if in your own time you can read the next part of, the, of Luke 22 to 32 which talks about do not worry because actually it's God who provides everything for us. You see, where we store treasures is where our heart is. If we store treasures on earth, our heart is only in this life. If we store treasures in heaven, there our hearts will be also. But I want to appreciate that some people here in this room might not be a Christian. They might be thinking, who is this guy talking at the front who's chatting something that I don't really understand, don't really know about, don't even know who Jesus is. You know, I appreciate there might be people in this room. And I hope you've been listening because I believe there's also a decision for you as well this morning. I believe you have a choice. I believe you have a choice, just like Scrooge did, just like the foolish man did, that can help change your destiny, your eternity. And that, would you rather, is would you rather Jesus or yourself? So I would love to just spend a moment, as we are now, just thinking about those things. Wherever you're sat, wherever you are in your relationship with God, whether you've made a commitment to him years ago and you've known him and you've loved him, but there are things in this life that maybe have, you've got caught up in, in affluenza with that. And actually, God's been prodding you when a word or whatever was spoken, he's prodding you. I want you to spend a moment and just pray or maybe commit yourselves to one of those would-you-rathers. And if you're not a Christian then I'd love for you to sit there and to consider why not today make a choice that could affect the rest of your life, that could affect your eternity as to where you end up when this life, when this training ground is over and the main event begins. Where are you going to be sat when that happens? We're going to have a, um, a prayer team that will meet over here to my left, to your right, towards the end of this time together. And if there's anything pressing in your heart that you feel God's been speaking to you about, it's great to seal that in prayer. Don't walk out from here having not taken that opportunity to, to come before God and to, to pray with someone about that. And actually, if you're a person here that has maybe made that decision, if you, in your heart or in your mind, said, you know I'd rather choose Jesus than myself this morning, then I'd love for you 
to come and get prayer as well. See, the choices that we make, they're going to affect where we end up. And this isn't a case of saying that we're all bad and it's a guilt trip thing. It's not about that. But I don't want us to get caught up in what the world says Christmas is all about. I don't want us to get caught up in all of that and think that it's the more, 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 me, me, me stuff. That's not what I want us to embrace this year. I want us to embrace what Christmas is really about. Think about what is my life all about? What is the aim of my life? go into a final song um, and during that song we're we're going to take up our offering something that's been challenging us I think well me personally but I think also in terms of us as a staff team and here at Ivy and about the offering and and what does that mean for us uh, at church and how do we do that and how do we do it well because I believe our offering is all part of our worship to him. You know, if, you're a, if you call Ivy Church your home, if you call yourself a member of this church, if you come here regularly, then we want to be given to what God is doing here in this church. We want to make that commitment. And something that we've been talking about is how we can give regularly. So you've probably all seen the slides before about how we can give. There's several different ways. But each year at this time, we talk about wanting to give our our best back to God. Because in in the new year, we take up an offering that's called First Fruits. And First Fruits is basically taking a portion of what God has given us, giving it back to Him, but making it be the very best of what we have. You know, it's a planned, it's a purposeful giving. But I don't think we should just do that once a year in that sense. You know, it's not just, oh, I've given him my first fruits and that's it, that sees me through for the year. Now, I want to be giving my best to God every day. But particularly maybe in my finances, I get paid monthly, so each month it's, I'm going to give my best to him each month. And if you don't do that, if you call yourself an Ivy Church member, if, you, if this is your home here, and you've not thought about giving your best on a regular basis financially, can I please encourage you to to consider doing that? Because that really helps us as a church be able to plan and uh, forward think about what we can and can't do, what we feel God is calling us to to do. That really helps us. And actually, the Sunday offering, what we're going to take up during this last song, in some ways, that's, that's not my first or my best. In some ways, that's just an overflow of my love for him that I think, do you know what? I want to give some more. I don't think this is, yeah, it's, it's not my first or my best on a Sunday morning. The first and my best is when I get my paycheck and I'm like, 
that's, that's for you, God. You've given me this, I'm giving that back to you. And then on a Sunday, it should be an overflow of what, of what God's been speaking to me throughout the week or maybe on the Sunday morning. So during this song, the buckets will come round. Please um, take your time. There should be envelopes on your seats that you can fill out now in preparation for that. You stand with us. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.